Shazam? What a joke. I'm nobody. I came because I have no choice. I came to save my home and the people that I love. Truth. Justice. The American way. Welcome to Elseworlds DC Fan Podcast. We're going to be talking Superman and Lois Season 1, a retrospective. And I have with me today Chris from the Multiversal Omnibus. How are you today, Chris? I am doing really, really okay. I'd like to say I'm doing great today, but I'm just like, you know, just okay today. Um, This is a really good time to talk about the source of hope superman and one of our favorite tv shows so that'll definitely make my day kick some butt a little bit more awesome yeah so i guess uh since it's your first time on the show if you wanted to share some information uh about yourself uh you know in your twitter bio it says you know dc comics fan what was your gateway into dc comics and who's your favorite uh who's your favorite hero to read or watch I know we're talking about Superman today, but I'm a Batman guy first and foremost. And the Arkham games took a liking of Batman and turned them into a diehard obsession. And then at the same time, the Arkham games, you had the Dark Knight trilogy. And so I grew up always liking Batman, but never really getting into comics. And then as an adult, I start just devouring comics. And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. And all it's like all my money is going to comics. Oh, no. But it um, it is so much fun. The world that Batman opened up for me, and then the Flash TV show, and then I got into the Flash comics, and then I just kind of branched out to the point where I was like, man, I have a lot of DC comics. I actually feel bad because as much as I like Marvel and like the MCU, I am completely a DC guy in the sense of that's my that's my world. That's that's the stuff that I'm like super into to like the crazy obsessive level. And it all starts with Batman. Um, and, you know, I've gotten really into Superman. And uh, so Batman, Superman, Flash, kind of really my three little gateways of fun. And they each have branch off points. And, um, you know, it's a really great distraction from the real world. And it's also it mirrors the real world in very beautiful ways. And I think the messages you get from each uh, hero and the struggles that they go through with all their villains, I, th- I, I think we can take a little bit of that um, and put it into the real world. So it's a great distraction and it is a great outlet for it's very therapeutic, actually. So uh, I, I dig it. Um, but Batman, definitely the game and Arkham, especially the Arkham games, especially got me obsessed with Batman. That's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, I, I grew up a, a big fan of Batman due to the animated series. And what got me into the Arkham games was that Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill continue their voices in the Arkham games. And uh, I came in late to that. My first Arkham game was Arkham uh, Knight. 
And then I went backwards and played uh, Asylum in um, Arkham City when they did the uh, Return to Arkham like double pack. Um, yeah, that was a great work. deal. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like I liked those, and it was you know I can totally see how that would be a great entry point of getting somebody invested. Like, oh, I know Batman, and then like playing those and learning. Like, because there's so many fun Easter eggs in there, and so many like fun side villains. Like, you know, how many people knew Calendar Man if they weren't mm-hmm. an apt comic reader, right? Or like a uh, you know, like some of those fun characters that you get to run into during. Um, playing through the Arkham games. Oh, absolutely. It builds a world. Do you have a favorite Arkham game out of curiosity? I see. So this is where I think I will be different than most people. Uh, Arkham Knight is my favorite. I know the Batmobile missions are tough for people uh, to get behind, but um, I think maybe because it was the most open of them, I liked that mm-hmm. the most. And I really liked the end that they made for the for Bruce Wayne and Batman in that story. Uh, it was very powerful. I'll give you that. Um, I have nothing against that. Arkham City to me is just the perfect game. But yeah, uh, you can't go wrong with any of them, and it really does build a whole world, doesn't it? Yeah, I think. See, and that's the thing. I think playing them in a different order gave me uh, a little different viewpoint on it. You know, because I'd heard so many people say about Arkham City as being the best, but after I was playing in night and you have the Batmobile to drive around and you have the full city going backwards to a more restrictive place in both asylum and city was a little tougher for me. Um, they're still really great games though, you know, but it's just, uh, one of those fun things, I guess of like, I I'm a Pokemon player. I grew up playing red and blue, but I can't say they're the best games anymore because they're so, you know, the quality of life features have changed tremendously uh in in the coming games so i just realized we're the same age so a pokemon red first game i ever had so yeah oh yeah yeah, that that was the first game boy game and i was obsessed with it um i always picked uh squirtle um it's the easiest path um it's and it stinks because charmander's the coolest yeah the easiest path was totally squirtle so (laughs) Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just realized we were like, oh God, we're the same age. This is that that's yeah. 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 It's uh you know, I don't time is flying by. I we're old. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so similar to you, I, I mostly watched the cartoons and the movies, and then uh, I would buy some of the comics, but I, I would have a tough time like finding the entry point, right? Like rebirth mm-hmm. when that was in 2016, I bought some of those trades and I, for Batman. And I was like, I'm going to read these, but then it felt like I had missed some stuff because I had missed, you know, like it's always like, where do I jump in at? Right? Like that, that could mm-hmm. be such a point. So in 2020, before the world shut down, before I had had an injury. I had an injury to my wrist and I had to miss like a full week and some of work that I was like, I'm going to read. I had comiXology unlimited and I had, uh, I think at that point it made me get Marvel unlimited as well. So, but with comic, with the comiXology app, I was like, I'm going to read, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read long Halloween. Uh, and year one and reading those stories. And that really 
like I had read Batman comics growing up, but it wasn't as frequent as what I'm doing now, you know, like reading Mm -hmm. a lot all the time and having these apps where you can just choose these stories to read um, is, is pretty awesome, you know, pretty awesome to be able to finally have like, I, I try to also support my local comic shop. I pick up issues every week. You know, I have some monthlies that I'm subscribed to, but when I'm looking at retro stuff, if it's, easier for me to read on the phone i'll read it there uh and then what i do is if i really like that story i try to find the physical edition of it um, i like that yeah that's, so that's cool way to i'm do trying that. to make my favorites like on my shelf you know because uh it's hard to buy everything well i started buying everything and i ran out yeah. of space and i ran out of money so i was like i can't i was like this is the amount of money i can justify spending on this yeah this is the amount of space i have and then it's just so now I'm going more digital than I want to. I, I like the mm-hmm. book in my hands. Um, but I think that's really cool because, like, the best way, in my opinion, to get into comics, just pick a character and then just pick 10 to 15 trades and just hop around and then pick a continuity you want to start with. That's kind of how I did it. I went to the w- went to all the classics, you know, the read all the top 25 Batman books. And I was like, okay, cool. Now let me pick a continuity, and I started with um, the Court of Owls and the New 52 Batman. Right, and, started, right. and then I was like, I'm going to do this right. So I started with the New 52 Batman, and then I climbed up with the Batgirl, the Nightwing, the uh, Flash. And I just, so I was all kind of had pockets of the New 52. And I, it's funny because I heard the New 52 was kind of rough, and I was like, well, Batman's fantastic. Um, yeah, Scott Snyder and Greg um, and, and the Flash started off great, and then I realized that the New Fifty Two did get rough because the middle of the Flash New Fifty Two run is just like okay, and then it gets good again, but it it had that horrible patch. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great way to get into comics. So that that's really cool that you do that, and it's really cool that you go to your local comic shop. I feel guilty for not doing it more than I I yeah. do. Amazon is actually painfully easy. Um, yep. They don't know how to ship books, but they do get them here quick. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> so my, I do my, local, I my local has been able to do a lot of sales recently, too. So that's been good. And they have like used comics, like the, the used trades for 50% off and stuff like that. So uh, if anybody has a local comic shop around, uh, check it out for some deals. Um, help it out but uh i usually try to do usually whatever the best deal is at times you know like i I have all of the marvel masterworks of spider-man they have volumes one through 23 i have them digitally because every new year around this time they start doing a dollar 99 for each volume of those marvel masterworks digitally so i've picked up a few of those over the course of the uh, last two years and and have those set aside for you know it, it's easier for like when i'm traveling on planes when i'm traveling somewhere to mm-hmm. be able to have if i'm in a doctor's office instead of bringing something i just have open up my phone can read a quick comic or whatever while i'm waiting so it's awesome yeah all right cool so what is your favorite movie then for dc out of not just dc extended universe or whatever they're going to call it now but uh <laughs> so far that's out, of, itself. out of all of the dc movies which one do you find yourself liking the most and maybe revisiting the most all right so i'm kind of torn because i can go in different directions here 
I'm going to say the Batman, Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson. I hate to be the recency bias guy, but that was comic book Batman in a movie. And it was, it's no strings attached um, movie. It was not lifting up an entire universe. It wasn't cheaply connected to anything. It was just so entirely a love project for the Batman world for Gotham for and and the Riddler being interesting if you make the Riddler interesting you are an incredibly good writer because the Riddler is only interesting if it's written well um Riddler can stories can either go great or they can go horrible and that was the great that was so that's exactly what because Riddler is kind of the weakest of the rogues in my opinion and you, to have a good uh Riddler story um, very Batman Zero Year. Uh, I, the Batman. The Batman is the one I keep watching and watching and watching. That's my favorite Batman movie. Uh, I love the Batman uh, so much. He's in costume most of the time. It, Gotham mm-hmm. looks like Gotham, not like Chicago. Like it is perfect for me. So, yeah. Nice. Um, I know what you're all thinking. We we talked a lot of Batman. There at the beginning, but we are going to talk Superman and Lois here. Uh, so you said you started with like, you know, the Arkham games and then finding like the Flash show and stuff. What brought you and when did you find Superman and Lois? Okay, so I was a huge Arrowverse fan. Um, so I they had me hook, line, and sinker, even though they ended up not being part of the Arrowverse kind of. Mm-hmm. But I, I was going to watch the show one way or the other. Um, but Supergirl actually made me like Superman more. And then Man of Steel, I really liked. And, you know, I was like, all right, this is, this, this, this Kryptonian mythos is something I can get behind. It's something cool. Um, and Superman and Lois is just one of those shows that's incredibly different than everything else. And I found myself going, I can't wait to watch this. A lot of shows, it's like, Okay, it's it's Tuesday. Let's see if the Flash is good this week, because um, that's hit or miss. And then uh, now it's like Superman Lois is like they're on hiatus again. I'm going to die inside. Um, so when the the show is good, you look forward to it. it it's good. Yeah, the breaks kill it though. It really like uh, I start off the season like watching every week, and then like the breaks happen, and then sometimes I'm like. I have like three to catch up on, but other times I'm like, I haven't watched it in four weeks. How many episodes do I have to catch up on? Oh, one, because there's been like three weeks of breaks. Um, So I'm a little different in the sense of I am not a big Arrowverse viewer. I have not watched um, any of those shows, really. I've watched the Crisis on Infinite Earth episodes. That's it. And I watched those because the Smallville cast was coming back for a small bit of that so i grew up and what i really started liking about superman when i was growing up is i used to watch uh abc family and they would play reruns of smallville right after they played their reruns of dukes of hazard so it'd be like dukes of hazard then smallville and i would watch john schneider like all night and um that was when i was in high school um i was probably like season five or six was airing when I'm like a freshman in high school and I'm watching those. I didn't keep up with it all the time. Cause back then I didn't have a DVR. So you have to actually like tape everything. Um, 
and then I all caught up with Smallville on a DVD after it finished airing. And then I never started watching any of the Arrowverse shows. I was at that point when they announced Green Arrow. I was like, well, it's not Justin Hartley. I'm not going to watch. I was one of those people. And uh, then I heard good things about it. And I just never got around to it. And then, you know, crisis happened. And I'm like, I'm going to watch all of these. I was completely lost <laughs> for most of it. And uh, but they had Superman and Lois uh, announced as a show. And I saw the trailer for it and it completely sold me. And uh, Superman, I, I always used to say Batman's my favorite DC character, but I find more and more over time that they're completely tied for me for completely different reasons, right? Superman is that beacon of hope that we love. And when I want to feel optimistic, I lean towards Superman a lot. When I want to feel a little bit, uh, pessimistic, I guess I lean more towards um, Batman, even though he is optimistic at, at times and is a beacon like in the Batman uh, at times. But just kind of my overall thing there is I watched the trailer, thought it looked really good, started watching the show, and I was just blown away by this pilot, which was absolutely incredible and didn't feel like any of the clips I saw of the Arrowverse when people are making fun of it all the time. <laughs> uh, so I, I was like, wow, this is like completely different. And I lo like, I love this show and I watched the whole first season and I was like, it was getting to the point where you're like, I hope there is no crossover for me at, at certain times, because while the crossovers are good for like, like I enjoyed crisis and what I saw of it. But I figured out if I'm going to sit back and ever watch The Flash, I'm going to have to know like what episodes are the crossover ones and maybe watch those other parts, right? And to like really pick up on it. And I didn't want that with Superman and Lois. I really want to be able to just like watch this one time, like watch seasons one, two, and three in a row and not worry about like, oh, I have to watch Flash season 13 or watch, you know, Green Arrow season eight to understand what's going on in this episode. Um, and now I'm worried about it getting canceled just because all the changes that keep happening. <laughs> but I hear that. Anyway, that's how I found this show. And I really, really fell in love with it. And I thought the dynamic of having Superman with two kids in high school was uh, just really, really fun as somebody that's, you know, looking forward to fatherhood, uh, hopefully, in the next few years it's something of I can now like I relate it to Superman when I was watching Smallville because he was a teenager and now maybe I'm starting to relate to him as a father when that comes down the road so I like being able to see these two different points of um, Superman's life and 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 when you have the kids in it too if it's it feels like a really strong family show like you can watch this with your kids they're going to understand the kid struggles you're going to understand the parent struggles it's just it's just a totally different feeling yeah i agree 100 percent with what you said about the entry ways for superman and lois and i really found myself like gosh i really see where clark is coming from um i thought Man, Lois Lane is like digging in. There's an episode where she's digging into Jonathan and I'm just like making him feel like crap, like only the way a mother can. And then in the same episode, she's trying to heal that relationship back up because she's she realizes that she has to, you know, be 
both sides of, of the mom character. And that, that I thought was a really powerful moment in season one. And then I found myself really connecting with Jordan, especially because this guy who always felt a little different, um, a, you know, a guy with sensory issues, his, his powers start to kick in and he needs headphones on just not to have a migraine. Um, there's, there's a lot that I connected with on a personal level that I don't actually expect to connect to a Superman property that way. Like it just, it caught me by surprise and it really opened up the world of Superman in a way that just wasn't open for me before the show. It, it, it really made me realize that these characters are really relatable. And the, when you can relate to, um, Superman, who's basically a god among men, that's a really powerful thing. And I just, I enjoyed the show for that. Um, I just, I think it's a very mature show and it always, it never loses the fun. Every time you think it's getting too heavy, smirk a little fun in there. So yeah, I'm really happy about the show. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start diving in a little bit more to it here, but uh, you know, this show has been part of what has revitalized my love for this character of Superman, right? Because what I grew up with, with Superman was the Christopher Reeve films. And I grew up with uh, Clark Kent in Smallville. And what, what that did for me, right. Is with, with Smallville it focuses so much on the Clark aspect, not on the Superman aspect and I feel like a lot of people kind of forget that part, right? Like, and, and that's what this show is focuses a lot on too, is Clark raising his kids. When, when you look at the Snyder films or, or something like that, it's more of how this Christ-like figure, right? This God among us. And he's not as relatable in those films because they're not focusing on the human aspect of Clark Kent, which is what we can relate with him. On. We may not have superpowers, but we understand maybe how it is to be outcast, right? Uh, with mm-hmm. within our age group, or um, and, and maybe what I find is this Clark is almost very similar to Peter Parker, who's another one of my favorite characters. While they have different power sets and all that, it's the main thing is when there's power, there comes responsibility and doing the right thing. Clark will always do the right thing. Peter is always going to do the right thing. And that's how I feel. Those characters are very, very similar to each other. And maybe why both of them are, you know, my favorite heroes. Um, But, you know, kind of diving into this show and how they interpret some of these characters. The pilot kind of starts off with us in Metropolis and the Daily Planet is being bought by Morgan Edge, who is a usual Superman villain. And at this point, you're thinking, all right, he's Morgan Edge. They pull the rug out from you later on in the season, and it's Tal Rowe, right? But um, they do that twice this season, because they even have the the Luther, right? That is not Lex Luthor, and it is actually John Henry Irons. So they pull that twice this season, and I think actually both times it works. But I think the one that works the most is probably John Henry Irons. I think that he is somebody in this in this show that was a character I wasn't expecting to like as much as I have. And to the point of, I don't like when he's not in the show. And there was a few times in season two that we'll get to whenever we cover season uh-huh. two. But he, you know, 
is in the hospital kind of out of commission for a bit. Um, but in, in this show in season one, he kind of starts off antagonistic. He comes from another universe and I love the reveal when it comes out to be John Henry Irons, who uh, most people know as steel. And if you haven't watched Superman, if you watched only Superman and Lois and didn't know anything else about Superman, that may not land for you, but he is a huge part of the death of Superman arc and uh, all that great stuff. And even had a, his own film starring Shaquille O'Neal, um, which I have not seen. I have not seen steel, but you don't need to, <laughs> but I guess I want to just get your thoughts on, on this twist here of what we thought was going to be a different sort of Lex, but it turns out to be, a hero in disguise hero, John Henry Irons. Yeah, John Henry Irons, a lot of the time, shows you the gray area in the show because he starts off as completely, things are white and black. I have to take out Superman. I have to stop him from doing what he did to my world. It comes from the other Earth, and Superman destroyed that world, and he can't seem to wrap his head around it. There even is a point at the near the end of the season where and i assume we're doing spoilers because we kind of already have yeah um, and it's season one too so um but there's a point near the end of the season where john henry irons is literally going with a solar flare ready to take out superman but superman has quote unquote turned and the he's about to do it and it's actually lois who gets to him and and lois is the reason he doesn't do it. He doesn't take out Superman and he chooses to see if Superman can win the battle between the mind control and he, and Superman, you know, he knocks the, he knocks the snot out of him, knocks the sense into him, but he allows Superman not to give up on himself. And I think he, cause Superman at that point was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And by choosing not to do it, I think he showed the complexity of real life. I, I, I think most of the times we have moments like that where we're cut and dry. And the fact that he could see a, another version of Superman, a person on his earth that destroyed everything. The fact that he still had hope that Superman could get there and Lois's love for Clark and his family connected with him, that's incredibly powerful. And I think John Henry Irons is, is really the, I just, I just think he brings the gray area into the show in a way where he, life is uncertain, but there's clarity in that at the same time. And I, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but it just, it hits home with me. Um, and, and I just, I admire his character because people with his zealous usually can't stop themselves when they get on the edge and they usually do something um, that they shouldn't do. And mm -hmm. he stopped himself. And so, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up John Henry Irons because I think he is the underrated MVP of the show. Yeah. And, and when you look at his arc, right, is, uh, his wife was Lois in the other world and she dies at Superman's hands and, uh, or eyes, I guess. And what is, uh, so 
powerful about that, right, is he has his a version of his wife in front of him who is pleading with him to save the man that she loves, which is not him, right? And how much that must weigh on him of, I don't want to let her down because she's my, she's my wife, but it's not her, but she wants me to save this guy who is not me that she loves. And, you know, I can never be with this Lois. It's not the same Lois. So like he's going through so much stuff being like a fish out of water. You know, I mean, even, uh, you know, Sam Lane is his father-in-law in the other universe and how he has this relationship. But imagine going to another universe and not being able to, you know, seeing somebody that is almost exactly like your significant other, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, uh, your sister that he was searching for at one point and not being able to have the same relationship that you have with them in your world. So uh, the fact that he was able to kind of put that aside and, and actually give Clark the chance to overcome it was uh, just a really great, like cheering moment. I feel like in the season. Absolutely. I I think you said that really well. Um, I'm really glad we, we touched on that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, like you said, one of the MVPs of this of the season, I think. Uh, he was a lot of fun. The Morgan Edge twist did not work for me as well as that one, but I think in season two, when whenever uh, we talk about that one, it, this has worked better. I feel like giving him more of the um, playful, I don't know how it's like playful rival that he is in season two is more apt than just full-on villain in season one um, he, he's their loki he's exactly the loki of that Superman is and Lois. that is what he is he um he's never going to be trusted fully and he never should but he's never going to be completely bad um one of the things i was really moved by with morgan edge was the fact that he thought he was doing the right thing yeah. he thought he was saving his people he thought he was doing what he was supposed to do and he was a brainwashed a bit um, by his holographic father. But look, I, Morgan Edge is not entirely bad. He's not entirely good. That's what makes him a good uh, good character. What I don't want them to do is to make him an anti-hero. What I want yeah. them to do is always keep him on that edge. And so he's never fully redeems himself, and he's never completely evil. Yeah, that's well said there. Uh, because... He is the Loki, like you said, uh, and he in, in this season, though, he is Morgan Edge all the way up until near the end. Right. That gets revealed uh, in, I think, episode 11 or 12 um, that they finally flip that that switch of it being revealed that he is actually um, Clark's uh, step half brother. Um, uh, Kal-El's half-brother. And what I think is uh, really interesting about that is, again, that they that they were able to successfully do this move twice in the season with both uh, John Henry Irons and Tal Road to be able to say, this is who they are, and then, oops, no, they're not. And to be honest, it worked. It surprised me both times, but I think that... Uh, what was cool is that they added the eradicator into this show somehow and that they were able to pull that off. 
I wasn't as crazy about the possession of Jordan with Tao's father and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but overall, I thought that the arc of the season was really good. I think this is worth having 15 episodes instead of like 22 um, is great. And even more than having like eight, like we see on the Disney plus shows or Netflix shows now that have like eight episodes. And it feels like as soon as it gets going, it's ending. And I think we need more shows that have these 13 to 15 episodes because I think it just, you can pace the season so much better and give a little bit more depth. I agree with that, but I will say you could tell that this was originally supposed to be 13. And remember they added the last two episodes in because it feels like you have a couple different ends. Yeah. Season one would have been a satisfying end. Season one, you would have had a satisfying end. And then and then you see him at the end of the episode and he's grinning. And that would have been a great season cliffhanger. Yeah. And I think that's what the original plan was. That's my theory. I might be completely wrong, but remember, they added two episodes. And I believe a lot of the back half of the last two episodes was completely added in when they said, no, we can up the stakes. And I think it worked to an extent, but I also think it led to some, a little anticlimactic uh, middle ground in between season four, uh, episode 14 and 15. Yeah, because there was times where you thought this was handled, and then it came back with the Eradicator and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely that was a weakness in season one, I think, with the 15, with them adding two more episodes. But I think in season two, which I don't really want to talk about right now, but I think they knew ahead of time they were getting 15. So I think that worked a little better in that mm-hmm. season. No, I agree with that. I think I think season two was a more one piece thought up at the same time story. Yeah. And I think season one... I think they knew exactly where they wanted to go, but they didn't exactly have the end lockdown pin and key while they were doing it. And I was just trying to look to see how many season three have, but I can't find an answer on that. So probably 15 is what I would, what I would assume. My question is how many weeks in between those episodes where they'll be, because they can't kill the momentum of the show. Because honestly, if the show gets canceled, one of the reasons it's going to get canceled no one can have the chance to talk about it because it drops on HBO Max um, and no one even knew the season was over because there was 500 weeks in between. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Well, yeah. Kill the momentum. Season one ended in August and season two ended in June, which are not typical for TV uh, season. Look at how much conversation Peacemaker started. Yep. yep. Because it was a week-to-week thing. and av- Dude, people started at different points and they started binging those episodes and there was weekly conversation. Oh, have you seen Peacemaker yet? My brother, who's not as into this as me, texted me before I even texted him, be like, <laughs> hey, did you see Peacemaker yet? He spoiled a couple of the jokes for me because he was so excited. You know, it, week-to-week episodes, I think, are really important in this day and age. I think the binge model is kind of dying. I think week-to-week is very important because you get that momentum going. And this show has absolutely no momentum. And I think it killed their chance to have the fan base that the show should have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I'm thinking maybe they will have not as many breaks because they are starting later than usual. So they started filming in September, and this is not premiering until March. So they should have 
quite a few. Uh, uh, they should be wrapping up the season by the time that they're airing the probably the first four episodes, I would think, which means that right. we should be pretty good with hopefully limited breaks. I know season one had breaks due to, I think, COVID issues. Um, but they blame COVID for season two, too. Yeah, this yeah. is the first season. That excuse really is going to fly yeah. as well. I don't think I don't think this will have as many problems. So I'm hoping it I'm hoping it goes uh, pretty well. I mean, season one started off really hot. First five episodes, there was no breaks. And then it had almost a two month break, March 23rd to May 18th. And then it goes May 25th, June 1st, June 8th, June 15th, June 22nd, then takes another break until July 13th, then went July 20th. Then for the finale, this is where you talk about momentum. For the finale, July 20th to August 17th for season one. That's almost a full month just to get one last episode. That That's criminal. And by the time most people see the season finale, they don't, don't remember the rest of the season. It's right. it's absolutely criminal to me. Um, the, the CW wonders why it goes out of business and then it does things like this. Um, mm-hmm. I just... I. I mean, look, I'm as big of a CW defender as you get. I told you I'm an Arrowverse fan. Right, right. But this business model is so 20. It's so 2003. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah, season two had uh, actually it was a little better on the breaks, but it started January 11th. It was? It, yeah, it doesn't feel like it was, but it was. January 11th. 18th and 25th had episodes. They had episodes February 1st. Then we had a break until the 22nd. Then we go March 1st, March 8th, March 22nd, March 29th. And then a month break here till April 26th, May 3rd. Another break until May 31st, then June 7th, June 21st, and June 28th. So in that case, it wasn't as egregious, but it was still bad. And what happens is I end up, like I said at the beginning of the show, I end up starting watching week to week. And then when we hit some of those breaks, I watch with my wife. So it's also like then I have to, you know, we have to sit down and be like, okay, when do you want to watch this? And we start watching other shows in the meantime of the breaks, like binging other shows. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, we got to flip back now to this show. And it's just so much easier to have. Uh, to know like every what is it wednesday now or tuesday whatever day it's going to be for next season every that day we sit down and watch this show if it can keep to a weekly schedule or with maybe one or two one to two week breaks not like a month or two like they've been having i think Mm -hmm. that'll help tremendously and it's tuesdays it is tuesdays this season Cool. I, I like to, to set the DVR, start the episode 10 to 15 minutes late, and that's that's the way to do it. Um, I I like to watch it that day because I, I find myself catching things on Twitter the next day being like, ah, I should have watched the episode. Yeah, that's the bad thing about following some of these accounts is then I get spoiled on stuff. So I try to... But like we want to follow it because we, we're yes, into yep. it. But then it's also most like we're we're shooting ourselves for following. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, and then uh, avoid the subreddit if you can at times because so many people are so negative about the show, um, which is. Oh, I, I very very rarely get on Reddit. Um, I uh, I once had a I once shared an article of mine, a football article, um, and someone r- responded, 
that my writing was akin to an abortion in the cold of winter oh at a Cleveland Browns game. And at that point, I said, yeah, no more Reddit. <laughs> oh, I'm done. Uh, occasionally, I'll look at it, but I never inter- interact because I was just like, they had the, first off, I still don't know what to take from right. it. Like, I, 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 I'm like, okay. And um, secondly, they had the gall to just send that without, like, oh, I think there was even an LOL smiley face. Oh, my God. Just, <laughs> just for just for kicks. So um, Reddit is a dangerous, dangerous yeah. place. Reddit is like Facebook with no monitor. Yeah. Um, because they're the monitors, but they're all in the same wavelength. Like, yeah. like you got to find a great Reddit, like a subreddit. And they're hard to find, so I just stopped trying. Yeah, see, like season one, everybody was very positive, and then I went on there for season two, and I'd be very excited after an episode. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And people were like, this is awful. I was like, okay, maybe I'm not coming here after every episode <laughs> because it is yeah. like, can't we just enjoy it? Uh, but I guess not. Uh, so another thing I want to talk about with this was another switcheroo that they pulled us on us on this show. In the comics, Jonathan Kent is the son the only son and he has powers and this one, they made it look like Jonathan was going to have powers, but it ends up being Jordan. And I, one, I like that because my name is Jordan. So I felt really validated by that choice, but um, two, that works out in their favor right now because the player, the actor who plays Jonathan has moved on uh, from the role and has been recast. So if they had, if it had been the kid with powers, that would have been a little bit of a bigger, bigger switch. Yeah, I I think what they did with Jordan was very smart because, again, you see, I think the first thing you see when they move to Smallville is Jonathan throwing the football through the tire, and you're like, oh, he's the guy with powers, and um, because every Super Bowl, uh, every Superman uh, kid thing is just like, oh, he did something cool with a football or something, um, or oh, look how strong he is. Um, so they did the switch there. I think Jordan was really cool because, you know, you had the social anxiety thing. And I, I like it when you have a character who has a, a, a problem that's not very visible because I think there's a lot of things like that, that a lot of people relate to. Um, and to give him the powers and to him to come into himself. I think that was really cool. And that's what connected me to the show more than anything. I think Jordan is the stroke of genius of the show they get to have their cake with Jonathan Kent and eat it too. They, they don't have to follow. It doesn't, because if you did Jonathan Kent, you're almost stuck with making Jonathan Kent from the comics. Right. You do Jordan, you can do your own thing because we've never seen him with twin high school boys. So it, it, this is just this is his own world. Um, I really love what they did with Jordan. And I think it, the actor got better as mm-hmm. season one got, went on. I think you could tell, I think it was like halfway through season one. It's like, this guy gets it. Okay. The beginning, it was like, tone it down just a notch. You're, you're almost there. And uh, line delivery was a little better. Um, I really like what they did with Jordan. Um, I always thought Jonathan was kind of the heel of the show. Um, it just, he seemed like the third wheel of the family. Um, but I did like how he had his, they made the connection that him and Lois connected more than him and Clark. And I think that's how families kind of work. You know, uh, I am much more like my mom. My brother is much more like my dad. I think that's how families realistically work. And I think the family aspects are really good in that. 
But Jordan, I think, was the stroke of genius. It gave them the freedom to play in whatever sandbox they wanted. Yeah, and I, I think what's, like you said, what's really cool about that is how I, people keep wondering when Jordan's going to get powers and or Jonathan's going to get powers. And I think only if they run out of ideas is when he gets powers because. So you're saying that's the jump the shark. Moment I think so. Uh, unless they pull it off. And the only reason I say that is because having one kid without powers and one kid with is so much more interesting than having two kids with powers because it gives that bridge to Lois, like you said, of and how they did throughout season one and two of I know what it's like to be with somebody with powers, Lois saying that and like how to. But she can still do just as much as Superman. And that's what she's kind of telling Jonathan, mm-hmm. because we see that in season one when she's able to convince John Henry Irons not to take out Clark and to give him that that sliver of a chance to come back from it. And he does is something that, you know, not everybody's able to do. And the fact that he takes after his mother more, uh, is, is so much more interesting than if he just gets powers one day, uh, because there's so much more drama to be mined from. I wish I was as strong as my brother and the fact that he is the jock and he is the one that is usually seen as the more typical strong one over uh, Jordan. But guess what? He's not right. Like he he is not physically able to match him at those skills. And what it leads to in season two is him trying to get powers. Right. And we also see like an alternate universe where he does. And And, and what's cool about that, like you said, with them not picking Jonathan is that this doesn't have to be the comics, you know, for anybody that's always like, this needs to be this way because the comics did it. It it doesn't always work that way because the way I always interpret it is these are all different adaptations, right? Mm -hmm. This, there's a multiverse. We know that. So they all can have different else worlds type things, which is what the show is named after. But, you know, having, totally different interpretations is way more interesting than just having um, the same interpretation from the mainline continuity of, of the comics. Yeah. I, I really like what you said there. And I, I think the biggest thing with this is I want to stress, I really like what they do with the comics with Jonathan Kent, but it's so nice to be surprised by the show. This show has this habit of giving me all the Superman uh, mythos, giving me all the things I love about Superman from the comics, and then giving me something different too. Exactly. No, that's that's perfect because what you said there is we still want to be surprised as viewers, right? We don't want to just think, well, I already read the comics, I already know what happens. If I want that, I'll just read it, right? Like I don't need to see it, mm-hmm. I can just read the thing. Um, same thing like when we get into these arguments that people had about like Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland and stuff like that. And it's like, all of them are valid, right? Like, because they all exist in this grand multiverse and we don't need it to all be the same way each time, you know, um, it's kind of how I look at it. Same thing with like Batman's and stuff. If people are wanting more of a Keaton vibe, well, we're going to get Keaton and flash. Right. And then we can get, Robert Pattinson as Batman and his standalones and whatever then they do with the DCU and who's going to be Batman going forward, I guess. But, uh, 
yeah, just they're not going to be able to cover all of these villains in like one franchise. So you have to be able to allow interpretations for different things. You know, like I see some people say like Marvel wastes mm-hmm. a villain like um, Shocker, right? In uh, Homecoming. But I'm like, he was never going to get a film with Shocker as the main villain. So being able to see him at all is cool. Like that kind of stuff. Like every time we get something, it's like, oh, they went there. Like one of the things, my favorite things is a comic book movie. And I think this is why I like DC more than I like Marvel is because I, I, I get the Easter eggs or I get the thing. And I just, I just a little smile mm-hmm. because yeah, they, they, they rewarded me for being a fan. I enjoy when they do that. Um, this is the reason I love the Batman. I'm like, okay. In less than 20 minutes, they pull directly from the long Halloween and hush at the same time. It's like, God, I, and it's, it's my world. It's the world that I go to when I need to get away from the real world. It's great. Um, I, I love what they're doing. I just give me all the creativity that you can. And anytime I see a character, it's like, yes, we got that character. We should celebrate every superhero product, whether it's good or bad, because for somebody that did something that checked a box. And I, I feel like we need to pin these against each other less and celebrate them more. Yeah. I don't really love the X-Men box films. They're not, but it's not like I'm going to be like, Oh man, you're, you're so into Hugh Jackman Wolverine. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, I don't do that. I just let you enjoy Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Right. Um, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm going with this is it's just enjoy it all. And Superman and Lois just lets everybody win. Mm-hmm. Um, the Snyderverse, I love, I love Man of Steel. I love Henry Cavill Superman. But there were so many times where it's just like, but we need more Clark. Yeah, we need more Clark. And this show has a great balance. He he's Superman. They they don't take away from Superman, and yet we still get a lot of Clark. And the heart of the character is what's relatable. And the fact that this show has that balance, absolutely perfect. So all the creativity, multiverse stuff you can give me, uh, chef's kiss is perfect. The effects have been really good for this show, too. Uh, This is like, you know, being able to see Superman. I didn't think when I saw Superman and Lois as a thing and they moved to the Smallville for the farm, I'm like, we're not going to see Superman that much. But how much we get to see him, Mm -hmm. we get at least one or two scenes an episode of him saving people, which is just perfect. We need more of that. You'll just hear him. You'll just, you'll see him hear yep. something. And all of a sudden he's in China lifting up a bridge. Um, it, that's, that's just awesome. Um, I, I, a lot of the CW shows, it's like, Oh, they did enough money for powers this week. <laughs> uh, but, this, uh, again, I love the Arrowverse, so I can make fun of it, but I, I try to protect it. But, yeah, um, Superman and Lois. It's there's so much Superman. There's so and we get little things. It's little things of powers. Like he just hears um, the truck coming from down the road, and he's like, "Oh, your dad's here," and he's angry. Yeah. Or your dad's here, and he's been in better moods. Like that's just like, um, oh, he's on the phone with somebody, and he can tell you who he's on the phone with. That it's little things like that are really cool. I think that one of the coolest things was when Jordan was trying to find him yes. when, he, when yes. Superman got taken 
and Jordan's trying to find him. And he's like, well, what's the farthest you can go? And he's like, I think uh, Australia or New Zealand, I can't make out the accents. And he's like, Jordan, Jonathan's like, hey, man, what the heck? And he's like, dude, I just got these powers <laughs> good enough so I don't have to have my headphones on right, a migrant. Right. And it, it's just like, it's this, I just, God, it's so cool. And then the light bulb goes when he hears Jonathan. Oh, no, Jordan, I'm sorry. Jordan. Right. And it, the, and you see the you see it's dad, I gotta find him. And then they go they they don't go to the DOD, they go to yeah. mom and they say, Mom, we have to talk, it's important. And it's just the coolest thing. I have a question yeah. for you. And I I, I, I wanna know, is this the best Lois Lane we have ever gotten? Because I genuinely believe it is. I would say yeah, I would say probably yes, uh on on that case. Uh she is like I have a soft spot for Erica Durance as 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 Lois Lane from Smallville, but for a while she wasn't really Lois. Like she wasn't a journalist for however long, right? Like this is Lois at her peak of being a world famous uh, writer and journalist, and actually like affecting stuff through her journalism and being a good sidekick to Superman. Um, like in Smallville, she's friends with Clark. She does some journalism later. She doesn't know he's Superman, right? Like that's before he's Superman. So this is like the perfect, like Superman and Lois pairing. I think we've had because Lois barely plays a role in man of steel and, you know, BBS. Amy Adams was wasted yeah. in those movies. Absolutely wasted. Again, I, I find myself defending these properties. If you can't tell if it's DC, I tend to find something that I love in it, and I, I love it for that. Um, but, yeah, Amy Adams was wasted in Man of Steel and BBS. Um, I will I will say this. There are four things I love about Elizabeth Tullock's Lois Lane. The first thing is I would be more afraid of her if I was Jonathan or Jordan than yeah, Superman. Yeah. My dad. What? That's insane. That's cool. Number two is she's assertive without being mm -hmm. a jerk. She is, she is confident. She's fully who she is. She believes what she's doing. And she has ideals that lift the whole family. Superman's ideals are actually kind of formed by his love for Lois and what she has instilled in him. And I think you get a perfect merging of the pa, mom, Pa Kent, and Lois becoming who Superman is. Because Superman's always about the people, right? The people in his life. And I think Lois is really a rock for Superman in this. And, the, and then I get, the thing I love about it, though, is that this Lois Lane literally has the right line for everything. She And she has great perspective. There's a great episode where she's, like, mad at Clark because she Clark broke a promise to her. But she can't be mad at him because he was saving right, the right. world, being Superman. So she, she's like, she's mad at him, but she's not mad at him. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's so realistic. I think Lois just comes off as a real confident, knows who she is person. And that, to me, I think she is the only Lois that's had been given full agency outside mm -hmm. of Superman. Um, the the fact that she's her own person, I think, is really important because. 
when a lot of these characters just become yeah. love interests. Um, and it's just the fact that they're not doing that. There are episodes that are Lois Lane centric episodes in both seasons. And I think that's really important. The show is called Superman and Lois, and it actually is Superman and Lois, not just Superman. And we still get a lot of Superman. Uh, this show is giving you everything you want. And this is the lowest lane for the comics. It's, this is, that's the only time we've ever gotten the lowest lane for the comics. They don't care what the general audience thought she was from the Margot Kidder versions of the Superman 78, which, by the way, are correct. Um, they don't care your predispositions. They just give you lowest lane for the comics. This is lowest lane. Um, I think that's the strength of the show because, again, it makes Clark who he is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, she's been she's been great, and uh, it was like she she is like a really great mom to watch too. Like she just the way she is with her kids and how she tries to be open with them, but yet, like you said, still still stern, right? Like sometimes in these shows, the mom or the dad becomes too buddy buddy with the kids that they don't have the line of I'm your parent. Mm -hmm. And both of these Clark and Lois in this show are very good at drawing that line of, no, you broke the rules. You're in trouble. I understand you were doing it for your girlfriend or for this or for that, but you broke the rules. You're going to have to be disciplined. And, uh, mm -hmm. that is, uh, one of the strengths of the show for sure. Uh, is there a character we have not talked about yet? Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Lana yes, at yeah. all um, and the Cushings, uh, who I think sometimes kind of take away from the show, um, and sometimes they help the show. Mm -hmm. It's really inconsistent. I think they're very inconsistent characters, especially because they have two daughters and we only ever see <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's like a running gag Sophie, of the show. It's almost like Sophie's upstairs. Don't worry about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like they know it. And I, I actually admire the fact that they caught on to that and like they like almost made fun of themselves in the writing of it. It's but yeah, um the Kyle is a very interesting character because he starts off as I think he's your door to small town mm -hmm. Americana. Um and I I think you see how he was gullible for what Morgan Ed was selling and there's some political stuff there that we don't yeah. really need to get into, but you know, um, cause that it's not where the fun is. Um, but, um, Lana and Clark having a very platonic best friend kind of relationship. That's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty cool. I, it's actually gotta be really hard for both of them, especially in season two, when she learns mm -hmm. that he's Superman. Um, that's, that's gotta be, she's gotta be like, he was Superman this whole time. Like, because she's known him longer than anybody. <laughs> I picked so, the wrong well, guy, right? That's what she's thinking. <laughs> no, well, well, now, actually, before season two, she probably yeah. didn't think that. Then, then it's, uh, Kyle is a jerk. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, the cushions are really the only guys yeah. we missed. And sometimes the show misses them. So well, that's you know, okay. I, I actually find Kyle much more interesting than Lana in this show. And I think Kyle's definitely one of my favorite characters, uh, like his journey, right? Like through season one of being like just a total jerk to, uh, 
to coming around to learning that Morgan Edge was not great for for Smallville. And uh, they kind of reverse a little bit of that in season two because they just needed some more conflict. But um, but season two killed his progression for me. He was on mm-hmm. a progression, and it completely killed it for me. I I get where you're saying where you go from hating Kyle to yeah. liking Kyle, but they completely ruined it. So I'm just like, what do you want me to do with right, this guy? Right. So that that's my problem with Kyle. Um, uh, Lana to me is one of those characters that depends on the episode. Sometimes she brings a lot to the show. Sometimes she's just there. Yeah. And sometimes they like, you know, the Cushings are what they use to get some of the drama in. If the other characters are not able, if all the characters are on the same page in the Kent family, the Cushings are not right because they need some sort of drama. So they'll use, they need family yeah. drama. So they'll the use show. them for the drama with Sarah, like uh they'll use her mm-hmm. for the they'll use uh you know lana being upset about clark not showing up to something or lois not showing up to something. like they'll use that stuff when they when the other characters are all on the same page of saving the world and they need somebody to be upset about something mm-hmm. they're also a great vehicle for when clark or lois needs to talk about their yes. partner with in a way that actually makes sense without it like being like Dear journal, I'm yeah, because they won't talk to the kids about that, <laughs> you know. So they needed the outlet. You, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't go to Jordan and say, you know, your dad, <laughs> right? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's. I think I think we hit on the characters. Um, is there anything else story wise you want to hit? Well, on? One thing I really want to hit on is my favorite episode. So my favorite episode, and I feel like a okay. lot of people's favorite. I can dig episode. that was episode 11, a brief reminiscence in between cataclysmic events, which was the flashback episode for a good part of it. They do a little Mm -hmm. twist on it of it's not actually flashbacks. It's, you know, Tal Rowe, like, uh, what, putting something on Superman's head or, like, you know, being able to get some of his memories so he can find more out about Clark and where to attack him with the children and all that. But this was really cool because for a while, it just felt like I was watching a Superman, like the perfect Superman movie for me of him being in Metropolis, him getting to fall in love with Lois and getting to see them getting, you know, proposing and get finding out the news of the kid, him taking down some villains. Like it was just such a strong episode for me and gave me everything I wanted as a Superman fan. Oh, it was the fan service episode, but it served yeah. a purpose too. I actually, I actually was. I'm going over the episodes. I was like, I have to pick a different favorite episode because this is going to be his favorite episode. <laughs> I, I knew it. Um, I called it. Um, 100 right. It's perfect. And what I love about it is it's Superman smashes the yeah. clan. Yeah. Um, to a T, which is one of the best, most heartwarming stories um in dc comics i i i if you haven't read superman specials the clan stop what you're doing put this on pause <laughs> come back um it's it's a quick read it's great um but yeah it was really good um i love that episode i'm trying to think what my favorite episode is 
uh, other than that. And I think it's the one where Jonathan goes into the van. Yes. Um, the Henry John Henry Irons van. Um, and he almost dies. And Lois freaks out at him. And Lois is the yeah, the backdrop of Lois's therapy session mm-hmm. and the miscarriage. And you get a lot of you get a lot of world building with, oh my goodness, we almost had a Natalie on this earth. Right. Um and it just I think it adds so many layers of depth to the story that um and it also it finally gives you a purpose for Jonathan because without that episode, I think that's a weak spot for the season. So I really liked that episode. I thought it was again very lowest centric, but you got so much good John Henry Iron stuff in there. You saw the uh what happened on the other yes. earth and Lois's demise on the other earth. And Jonathan has to see that Jonathan has to see her mom, his mom, uh, married to a, another man. Uh, his mom die on TV. Um, the trauma that Jonathan By his father. goes through yeah. that episode. <laughs> That's a- yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just like the trauma that he goes through in that episode gets a little too glazed over. If I have one criticism of the episode, it's, we're dealing with Lo- Lois's emotions, but Jonathan went through the rigor in that episode. Um, but it's just, I think that one packed a punch. Um, and I had to pick an episode that wasn't uh, brief reminiscent or whatever it's called, because it was, I knew that was going to be your favorite. Um, I also really liked the, I liked the season third, uh, episode 13, yeah. where Clark turns and, you know, they're, the confrontation we talked about earlier with John Henry Irons, but I wanted to bring up that episode with John Henry Irons, Irons fan or truck or whatever it is, because I, we had already kind of talked about that other episode. And I, I, so that, that to me would be, those are my three favorites. I think they are the three that add all of the heart into the season. And it just, it all feeds off. I'll give a shout out to the pilot here as well, because I think it is one of the best, um, I guess superhero pilots I've seen in, in quite a while because it is so cinematic at, at times here and uh, it, it opening with like um, kind of a, a scene that we see in the flashback episode later but with the Fleischer cartoon suit and uh, him with the homage to Action Comics 1 where he is catching the green car um, just some really cool little nods there and him telling the little boy that his mom made his suit and everything like that is just exactly what I want from Superman. So I'll give a shout out to the pilot is probably my, my backup one. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. It's, I especially like the uh, freeze yes. breath of the water into the silo. And the, that to me shows you the creativity that you can use of the powers. It's, it's not just what I love about the show is it's, it's not just punching people. And that's important because he's the most powerful person mm-hmm. on the world. If it was just punching people, the episodes would be three minutes long. Um, so yeah, that that's a great pick. I the episode season one. I think where we're all like, okay, we're sold. Yeah. Let's go. I remember Let's like immediately watching that pilot and then like messaging my friends and family like you got to watch Superman and Lois. Like this show is so good. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so frustrated. I watched the show 
with my mom. You know, I'm 32, but I still live at home. But yeah, sue me. I'm a millennial. Um, and um, anyway, I, I watch the show with my mom. I, I keep telling everyone in my family, I keep telling friends, yeah, I watch the show. And they all say, oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. And they never watch it. And I'm just like, and that's one of the reasons I think the show is, it, you know, I, I worry about its future because I don't see the rabid fan base. There's definitely fans. Um, but uh, I, I love the show. Um, and it was really fun talking about it because, dude, I don't have anyone to talk exactly. about the show with. Like my parents watch it. My wife watches it. But none of them are podcasters. None of them are going to get on this thing. <laughs> Well, see, when you say this is how a conversation with somebody who's not willing to have a conversation like this goes, or or right. I'm good at that, right? They yeah, go, exactly. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. What did you like about it? And it's yeah. like pulling teeth, trying to get it, and you feel like you're forcing them to do something right, they don't right. want to do. They just want to enjoy the episode to kind of be done with it. Um, sometimes you get a good conversation, but um, when you when you have people who are willing mm-hmm. to podcast about an episode of a TV show, that's when you get really good conversations. It's the same with football. It's like I talk to football at work. It's like half the time it's like that episode. So the parks and rec where Ron Swanson goes to home Depot yes. and goes, I know more than you. <laughs> um, so um, it's really cool to talk about this with someone who really loves it. And when we come together and enjoy things in the nerdum, um, I think these properties win. These properties are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, at the end of the day, it's a business, it's dollars and cents, but the creatives don't care. And the true creatives make art that mm-hmm. we care about. And the fact that we are doing this podcast sells the entire purpose of a show like this and all the podcasts about it and all the interaction online on Twitter. It, the positive discourse, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it, it's it's the purpose of it all. It really is the share. All right. Any anything else on season one here before we uh, wrap it up? You know, I think we put a pretty good bow on everything. Um, I I I just I just really appreciate the show. It's just mm-hmm. it's so wholesome. It's so good, and. I, I just don't think there's another show on TV like it, and I don't know why that is, uh, but there's not a show like this. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, last year with all of the Disney Plus shows that came out and, and all of that, this one for me still stood out above all of those. And I'm a, I'm a big MCU fan. I'm a big um, Marvel fan. I have another Marvel podcast uh, as well as this, but the issue was that this one felt like a TV show, which some of those uh, don't. And what I mean by that is episodic storytelling um, with still like a cinematic lens, right? Like the effects were good. The cinematography is good, but you know, it's still a, it's still a TV show where I get to watch more than six episodes and (laughs) get to watch 15 of them and uh, have a longer form uh, storytelling with it so uh, that was something that really won us and, and you know just the family dynamic of it where you're able to watch this with uh with anyone is really great mm-hmm. yeah the only other thing i'd like to say is this show had stakes 
and you always felt like the bad thing could happen and you didn't know how they were going to win at the end. And it, none of it was contrived, ironic. None of it was just there to be there. It, there's no filler in this. Uh, I thought they had a c- couple different endings, but there was no filler. It was really good writing. And on television, especially on a CW show, that has to be given a standing ovation. Um, just thank you for the entertainment and thank you for the escape from right. <laughs> the world we live in. Right, yeah, this is a good escape. Superman's always a great escape. Um, if anybody has listened through this whole thing and they are interested in, uh, like they watch Superman Lois, but they don't know where to read certain comics or whatever, I would say a really great Superman one that you can read without any sort of background is Superman for All Seasons. I read that by Jeff Loeb and um, art by Tim Sale. Yeah, and it is... Uh, really great Mm -hmm. and then i looked for it on trade paperback and of course it was out of print but they're coming out the absolute edition later this year so i might be getting that yeah that is going to be a money pit for me because i'm getting the absolute i have the trade uh hardcover um but i'll give you another one um superman american alien um really good um really good and then there's another one um superman american alien is kind of like superman for all seasons just a different take on it um and then superman secret identity um is actually pretty good because it's kind of like this guy was named clark kent because his last name was kent his parents gave him all superman stuff and then he ends up getting Mm. powers and uh he ends up getting powers and it's basically superman in the real world where superman is a fictional character Oh, uh, uh, okay. So it's it's like holy crap, there's a Superman, but he's like he's already a fictional character. So it's um that that one's fun. Um so those are two recommendations for me. I, I don't think you can go wrong with Superman. If you read Superman, you're getting mm-hmm. truth, justice, and the American way, all that good stuff. Superman Red Sun, um when you've read yeah, a little yeah. more, is definitely one you have to read. Um, but yeah, you, you should definitely read Superman comics um, because they're fun. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just read for the first time yesterday Superman uh, Inc., which is an Elseworlds tale. That was pretty cool. He's like uh, he doesn't know he's an alien in that story. If people wanted to check that out, he becomes a star uh, sports player and he plays for like the NFL. The that NBA, is an interesting take. I have to read that now. Okay. That is an interesting take I haven't read yet. Um, yeah. And then uh, it, it kind of all, not to spoil it too much, but he kind of ends up in the position where uh, where Superman should be at the end of the tale. But uh, he's got a different name because of not being found by the Kents and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really cool, uh, really cool tale that I read yesterday. Uh, on the DC Universe app. So okay, I'm gonna have to get on the app and read that. That sounds that sounds cool. And if anybody wants to reach out to us here at Elseworlds, email elseworldsdcfan at gmail.com where you can tweet us, Facebook us, or Instagram, all at elseworldsdcfan. I want to thank Chris for coming on to the show. Thanks for coming on and talking Superman and Lois with me. Oh absolutely. Um shameless plug here. We have a show yeah. uh we have a show coming up 
at the end of January, me and my friend Ronald Tooth are starting it. It's going to be called Multiversal Omnibus. We already have a Twitter page. You can go to at Multiversal Omni. We're doing some cool stuff like comic book of the day every day, um, chit-chatting. That's kind of how we we uh, yeah. we got in touch. And then, um, yeah, so just check that out, um, Young Up and Coming Show, you know. And also, if you like football, I, I'm at FootballMan58 on Twitter, and I write for Russell Street Report, which is a Baltimore Ravens blog. And if you don't like football, I got plenty of other nerd stuff coming for you, as I said. So um, I really appreciate the chance to come on here. And honestly, it's some, and I can't wait to talk about season two. Um, yeah. But man, this is fun. And I really appreciate the chance to just talk Superman and Lois, man. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll have you back on for season two. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time.